tired of missing, right? Stop playing your ball out of the wrong fairway and start playing the new Big Bertha B21 from Callaway. There's a ton of distance trapped inside your swing. That's why Callaway designed the new Big Bertha driver to reduce side spin, leading to more bombs straight down the middle. And they made Big Bertha irons so forgiving, you can practically hit them anywhere on the face and the ball just launches. This is distance any way you swing it. Unlock your inner distance today at callawaygolf.ca slash Big Bertha. About 140 kilometers to the east of Saskatoon, there's a hole in the ground that runs a kilometer deep. Actually, it's a mine shaft, and there's more than one. For a number of years now, Australia's BHP Group, one of, if not the world's largest mining corporation, has been pouring billions of dollars into its Janssen project, a proposed mine in Saskatchewan that could eventually produce millions of tons of potash per year. This week on Down to Business, I spoke to Mike Henry, who took over as chief executive of BHP at the start of the year and asked what's driving the company to look at potash. It's a potassium-rich salt that's essentially a fertilizer. It can improve quality and yield of farmland. But BHP isn't known for producing fertilizer. It's known for producing metals such as iron ore and copper, as well as energy, including petroleum and coal. And I asked Henry what the pivot, or potential pivot since the company still hasn't actually committed to fully building Janssen, is about. It didn't come up in our interview, but one of BHP's biggest investors is Norway's Sovereign Wealth Fund, which is increasingly looking to sell off its stakes in companies that produce coal. And as Henry explained in the interview, BHP is now looking to sell off some of its coal assets. Henry said that moving into potash is about food security and climate change, which is increasingly driving many of the company's decisions. Thanks so much for joining me, Mike. It's really nice to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me. I want to talk to you about your company's assets and investments in Canada, but I also wanted to ask that you're based in Melbourne, but you're actually from British Columbia originally. Is, is that right? That's absolutely right. Um, so I grew up in British Columbia, went to school there, um, have spent most of my career away from uh, Canada, different places around the world, a lot of time here in uh, Australia and currently based in Melbourne. Yeah. And so now it seems like your company may be coming back to Canada with the Janssen project, which for people who don't know is a potash project. And if I understand it right, the the company's reason why it may decide to get into potash is that the population of the world is growing, more people are moving to cities, they're going to be more affluent. And with everything we know about climate change, we can't do much more deforestation. So the current agricultural land is going to have to be more productive in order to support our food needs going forward. Spot on, uh, Gabriel. So you, you've, you've described the demand dynamic very well. It's, you know, in a world where population is growing, which means that more, you know, the world's going to need more, more food. Uh, there's a big focus on how you, that food gets produced sustainably. And part of that sustainable food production is through ensuring that, you know, for a given uh, landmass that you can uh, increase uh, yield, which then requires less, you know, opening up of of new arable land through deforestation and so on. So potash will help the world uh, meet its food needs uh, whilst you know uh, continuing to to decarbonize or to address the the challenges of of climate change. The only other factor that I would add uh, to what you said is that 
Canada has, you know, the, the world's best resources when it comes to uh, uh, to potash. So this is uh, something where Canada is, uh, or an industry where Canada is a leader. Um, it has great resources, um, has been welcoming of uh, uh, BHP, and you know we have uh, potash potash resources in in Saskatchewan. Um, so if we can get the projects, uh, the project economics to work, and it competes well for capital within BHP, you know this is an industry or a commodity that we where we like the long term outlook for the commodity, and we'll you know we'll be bringing that together within by the middle of calendar year 21. Uh, where we'll then make a, a, a final investment decision as to whether to proceed with the first stage of the uh, Janssen project. It sounds like future world you envision is one in which climate change and climate change regulations have a huge impact on your business strategy. Well, it, it's definitely uh, fair to say um, we are, you know, we've been quite clear in our belief that climate change is a is an issue that the world needs to address. So we accept the the science of climate change. We accept that you know the, a, a driver of that and and higher emissions is human activity, and this is something where you know, the world needs to take action to mitigate the, uh, the the risk of climate change. That we're supporters of the ambitions of the Paris Agreement, and so we've been and this has been you know we we've we've been uh, focused on climate change for multiple decades now, uh, but we're committed to taking action to reduce our operational emissions, known as Scope One and Scope Two emissions. As well as as to taking actions on uh, scope three, which are emissions that occur, occurred elsewhere in in the value chain, you know, and 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 BHP is a long term company. The decisions that we uh, make are decisions that are in place for decades. So one of the things that we need to constantly be doing is gauging the world around us, analyzing the 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 mega trends at play, uh, and then ensuring that we have a portfolio of commodities and assets that are exposed positively to those uh, to those trends. And in a world that we envision as moving towards uh, decarbonizing, you know, uh, the world's uh, there's an electrification trend underway, including uh, electric vehicles. You know, there's that, that then informs how we think about our our suite of commodities. So I've been clear that BHP needs to increase its exposure, have more options in future-facing commodities, and that includes things like copper, nickel, and potash is is is, is amongst that you know that suite of future-facing commodities as well. Yeah, this part is so fascinating to me. You're also, I noticed, exiting thermal coal, which is that's that's the coal that's not used for steel making, but is used for power plants and that kind of thing. And if I have it right, that's also because of climate change, right? I would state that one slightly different differently. Uh, So BHP has a range of of coal assets uh, ranging from thermal coal. And you've correctly called that as being coal that goes into uh, generating um, electricity through to high quality coking coal um, and coking coals are the coals that are used for steel making. As we step back and and assess our portfolio of coal assets, it's clear to us that some of those coal assets, the higher quality hard coking coals, are going to be positively exposed in a decarbonizing world. And what I mean by that is, you know, as steel makers seek to reduce their emissions footprint, they are going to have to increase the productivity or the efficiency of their steelmaking processes. Uh, that's going to require high, more high quality hard coking coal. And so for, as a holder of the best, the world's best uh, high quality hard coking coal assets, there's upside in a, in a decarbonizing world for those assets. For our other coal assets, there's less upside, but you know the world's going to continue to need thermal coal for a period of time. It's going to continue to need the coking coals that are less high quality. We just don't see the same upside for them. But 
you know, the, there is opportunity for further value growth in those uh, assets through capital expansion. But because BHP is a very financially disciplined uh, company, we're constantly assessing every project that we bring forward against alternatives within the BHP portfolio. Those those uh, opportunities and that that subset of coal assets are unlikely to compete well for capital within BHP. So we've said we're actually going to take our thermal coal assets, our less high quality hard coke and coal assets, and we'll divest them, or we will demerge them from BHP and create a a new company. And we've given ourselves two years to do that. Yeah. How many of your decisions these days are sort of guided at least partially or by a lot by climate change considerations? I see it as impossible to separate them because climate change in one way or another has to inform everything that we do, just like, you know, our focus on on social value and doing the right thing and creating value for all BHP uh, stakeholders Climate change impacts how we see long-run growth for the world economy. It impacts how we see the attractiveness of different uh, commodities, how we see risk, both in terms of the suite of commodities, but also in terms of you know, underlying uh, uh, operations and, and their ability to tolerate some of the impacts of, of climate change. So it is, you know, it, it really does permeate uh, everything that we do and all of the decisions that we, we take. Well, it's fascinating to hear you say that. I want to go back to Jansen for a second, which is your, I guess I should say, potential potash mine in Saskatchewan. You've been looking at it for a while, right? And I think it's not an exaggeration to say you've spent not even a small fortune anymore, right? I mean, $4 billion, or, or maybe it's more than that, looking at this asset, developing it, sinking the shaft. You know, you said earlier in the interview that you're not going to make a final decision on whether to build this mine, but a lot of it's already built. Can you tell me how that how that works? Let me just scope out the project for a second, uh, Gabriel, and I'll come back to kind of the, the way that we think about these things. So you're right, we've spent about you know $4 billion to date, rough numbers. The decision that lies ahead of us in the middle of calendar year 21 is whether to spend the further $5.3 to $5.7 billion to build the first stage of the Janssen, the, the Janssen project, which has multiple stages, but that first stage would be four to four and a half million tons of, uh, of potash. So that's the decision that lies, lies ahead of us. Now, when we make that decision, the decision gets made on the basis of an assessment of value, returns, and risk, and, and it needs to be taken in comparison to other projects within the BHP portfolio. So we have strong competition for capital within BHP, and we see maintaining that discipline as being really important to effective management of, of risk and to creation of value for, for shareholders. As to how we think about these projects and progress them, you know, one of the things that we've become, I, I think is a strong point within uh, BHP is our deliberateness when it comes to projects like this and that we don't uh, jump in you know, kind of boots and all uh, immediately. We, you know, we're happy to take our time on projects to de-risk them to make sure that we understand some of the underlying uh, value drivers before we then take a further decision. So the money that we've invested to, to date has allowed us to better understand the resource, de-risk it, you know, put in place some of the infrastructure that would be required to support an operating uh, mine without having had to take the full decision. Having done that, um, you know, we continue to assess the uh, markets. We have a better understanding of the underlying project. Taking times allows us to work costs down and improve returns to a point there then where we can bring it forward with full confidence. The risks are understood that we've done everything we can to maximize returns in the project, uh, you know, before then taking a, a decision about whether to proceed. 
So is it reasonable then to say that, you know, having spent $4 billion and every quarter, it seems like another $100 million that, is it reasonable to believe that you guys would actually walk away from it and say, actually, it's not for us? I mean, wouldn't investors be pretty upset about that? Well, um, if we take a decision to proceed, investors and other stakeholders will be able to have the full confidence that, you know, that is a properly thought through uh, decision and that this is going to be a sustainable business. Now, because we've built up uh, trust with our investors and they and others understand just how deliberate we are about thinking through projects, optimizing them, the commitment that we have to pro- to, to disciplined allocation of, of capital. If we were to make the decision not to proceed, of course, you know, we, we, no, no, uh, many would, would regret that, uh, that, we, that the dollars have been spent that have, have, have been spent. Although, you know, the value would still be there. It's just a matter of when that value gets, uh, uh, gets unlocked. Uh, but what, what I can say with a reasonable degree of certainty is that people would rather that we take the decision not to proceed if that were the right decision basis the, on the knowledge that we have now, rather than proceed just because we've spent money to date, but for the incremental investment that we're, we're, we're making, not to be a sound, uh, uh, a sound investment. Right. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me, what you're saying. I guess I'm wondering part of what the, the sort of due diligence is, too, in terms of that's going to inform this decision. One of my colleagues interviewed the CEO of Nutrien, Chuck Magro, and I'm paraphrasing right now, but he said something like, what people don't talk about is that you know the potash market is is about food security and some of these client relationships are 50 60 years old that is not the easiest market to enter and i guess i'm wondering if that's part of the challenge that you guys are looking at because you've never done potash before and gabriel you know i, I don't want to uh, discount this because any market you have to be deliberate about ensuring that you understand it creating relationships we've spent a lot of time over the past 10 years out engaging, uh, you know, as, as establishing some of those uh, relationships. But what I would, you know, bring it back to is BHP is a company that's uh, over uh, 135 years old. Um, we've had many iterations throughout that period of time of, of stepping into and out of different uh, uh, businesses. So we do have a bit of experience under our belt in terms of getting into uh, new markets. Uh, and we've been pretty successful at doing that over time. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't mean to discount it. I'm just trying to understand, too. I mean, you know, it's, it's just interesting to sort of think about and hear about what some of the challenges are of entering. And Gabriel, that, that's a very wow. actually you've, you've just um, I think you've just flagged something really important, which is that these decisions are long term decisions. You know, the, the, if, if, if we invest in potash, that is a multi decadal in investment. And hence the. And, and therefore, it warrants the, the very deliberate effort to build understanding and the, and the, the relationships that you, you, you speak of. And, you know, and, and, and again, that's, that's something we, we, we have already started investing in over the past 10 years in anticipation of a, posit, a, a, a possible uh, first stage project. Yeah. And how how have you found the investment climate in Canada? Because you're Canadian and there's been a lot of talk about can we still do big mining projects? You know, as someone who goes all over the world, how you would rank it? Look, our experience in, in Canada has been very positive as we've been progressing the Janssen project. So, you know, the, the provincial government, very supportive, constructive, engaging, other community uh, stakeholders, the First Nations groups that we in, interact with have all um, been supportive. 
constructive in their engagements with uh, with us. And I hope that we've been able to demonstrate from from our side, you know, a, a, an approach that will meet the trust that's been placed in us. Yeah. You just mentioned that you found it to be a positive place to invest and you talked about the indigenous communities. I hear a lot of mining CEOs talk about that, about bridging ties with the local communities. And I'm wondering if that aspect of your, of sort of developing projects and bridging ties has changed a lot since you started. Without a, a doubt, it's uh, it's changed quite significantly, certainly for, well, I think that the environment that we operate in has changed, but B, BHP has continued to mature as a company over time. And, you know, the, we, we, we had a fairly significant policy announcement last year where we spoke about the way that we think about these things. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that we think about social value. So not social license, which has this sense of, you know, you do what you need to do in order to, uh, to maintain support. This is a step beyond that. It's a concept of social value where we see us as having an accountability to create value, of course, for shareholders, but also for all of those others who have a stake in uh, uh, BHP's uh, success, the communities that we operate in, the First Nations uh, uh, people um, whose lands you know, we're, we're, we're mining upon, uh, for our business partners, for governments, and, and so on. And this is not you know, a group that sits off on the side in BHP. This is something that is an accountability, just like safety is an accountability, of every single individual in BHP to be thinking about this and constantly um, seeking to understand how, through their work, they can create greatest value for those, um, you know, that broader range of uh, of stakeholders. And, you know, the, uh, over the 30 years now that I've been in the industry, I've seen the industry and certainly BHP go from more of that sense of, you know, a, a predominant sense of social license into this true sense of uh, uh, social value. And where that is incorporated into all of our project proposals, the day-to-day decisions that we take as a company, and it informs where leaders spend their time. So, you know, part of my time is spent out engaging with uh, uh, stakeholders in, in, in BHP. It's not just spent in an office or not just with our, our workforce. It is really getting out there and seeking to understand what's important to those around us and how the decisions that we take can create positive uh, value for others. Yeah, it's interesting. So it, it's it's really cool. It's been really great to talk to you. And I'll just ask if you if there's any last thoughts you want to offer about mining or how the game has changed or or what lies ahead. I'm going to take you up on that uh, offer, Gabriel. You know, it's another thing that's changed in mining since uh, you know in the, in the few decades I've been in it. Um, and BHP is at the forefront of this. And that is the culture of the industry and um, the composition of the workforce. So one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about and the PHP is very committed to is to creating a more inclusive environment because we believe that that is essential for us to be able to achieve the levels of performance that we know are possible. What does that mean? It means, um, you know, a shift in culture to one that is uh, uh, more inclusive, uh, where it's safe to speak up, where ideas get heard, and where people really feel like they can contribute to their full capacity and can develop uh, themselves. Part of enabling that is through ensuring that we, or it's, I guess it's, it, it's, it's codependent, but we need a workforce that is uh, balanced. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've made big progress across the company in the past uh, three or four years where we've gone from 
about 17.5% female participation in the workforce to 26.5% uh, participation on path to having a gender balanced workforce by 2025. And one of the things I'm really excited about with the Janssen project, if we take the decision to proceed, is that we'll be able to stand that project up from the get-go with a uh, gender balanced um, uh, workforce enabled by um, uh, you know, deployment of latest uh, uh, technologies. And then we spoke, uh, uh, your, I, I mentioned briefly earlier, um, the relationships we have with, uh, with First Nations peoples. That would also be a core focus of our approach to employment because the cooperation agreements that we have in place with you know, the six uh, First Nations groups around uh, Jens include you know certain approaches and uh, to to a range of things, but one of those things is uh, is employment as well. So again, if we take the decision to proceed in the middle of 2021, I'm really looking forward to within BHP Jensen being a leading light in terms of how we're able to um, uh, the practices we're able to adopt in a, a new workforce and a new project. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Look, thanks very much, Gabriel. And I'll, I'll look forward to uh, an opportunity to talk again in the future. Same here. That was Mike Henry, Chief Executive of BHP Group. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business. And thank you to the excellent team behind this episode. Music and production by Bryce Hall. Editing by Yadula Hussein. And web support by Pamela Heaven. If you enjoyed listening, please consider sharing this episode with a friend and rating us on your podcast app. I'm Gabe Friedman, and until next week, you can find the latest business news at financialpost.com.